1: All right, so let's talk a little bit about Devin White because he's been in the news, obviously, ever since uh, last week's game. Warren Sapp has called him out said he should take his C off his chest and all of that. I had a chance to approach him in the open locker room on Wednesday and just ask, hey, Devin, you got a minute to talk. And he said, and I quote, no, I'm good. (laughs) As if I was offering him a service here or something, you know. Um, But that's how it works. There's an open locker room, and anybody that's there is – full game to approach they know that we're there for about 45 minutes and that's that's what the media's in there for um and look let's let's be clear about something there there are other days that he can talk to us he can talk to us today he can talk to us friday um and so you know he's he's not in violation i mean it's not as if you know you have to answer and you have to answer now i would merely like to get beyond this i think devin probably should or 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 could do this as well because there's been so much discussion since um, last Thursday's loss to the Ravens. And in particular, one play that we know that Devin took off, which was a critical play. It was 10-10. It was a third and nine. Um, the Ravens were at the uh, 28, the Tampa Bay 28-yard line. That's when they threw a little quick out to Demarcus Robinson. And then a um, couple missed tackles later, he he goes 15 yards uh, to the 13, and, and Devin never really runs. He just kind of jogs over there, if you will. And had he been running, maybe he makes a play, maybe he doesn't. But the point is, we know the story. Um, Tabbles Bowles sort of defended him, said, well, it could have been a loaf, and it also could have been he was gassed, all that stuff, right? And then, like I said, Warren Sapp had his take. The film has gone everywhere. And I think, you know, at this point, you could you could make a couple arguments for you. You say, like, well, you know, move past it, let's go, let's, you know, what's the big deal? It's one play and all that. And obviously his teammates are very supportive of him, at least at least publicly. Um but I just think it'd be better if he just stood up there and faced the music. You know, I mean, like part of your job and it's it's in your contract as an NFL player is to cooperate with the media. What does the media care? Why do we care? You know, we all saw what happened. Why does he have to answer for this? Well, he doesn't. Um, But contractually, he has to cooperate, and he always has in the past. Devin's always been available for us at least one day um, during the week to talk about whatever. Uh, And I just feel like by not addressing it, and he could have addressed it Monday um, when they came back, and he didn't address it on Wednesday. So let's see. We'll see what he does Thursday, Friday even as I'm talking about it now, other people are talking about it on radio. They're, you know, they're making um, sort of judgments about him. And I, I just don't think it's necessary to drag out. I think you're better when there's an issue. And in this case, I, maybe he has an excuse. I don't know. But whatever it is he's going to say, I think my advice to him, and I'm not one to give advice because I'm not on that side of things, but I would just say, hey, get it over with. You know, stand up there. Um, say what you're going to say. Everybody saw the tape. The tape's not good, it, um, and, 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 and move on, you know, and say, you know, I'm going I'm to talk about this week's game against the Rams, and there's plenty to talk about with the Rams and the, the record the Bucks have against them the last two years, losing three in a row. Uh, both teams coming in here defending Super Bowl champions the last two years, both of them struggling at three and five, uh, you know, and yet you get a feeling that mm, Rams kind of have the Bucks number, um, much like New Orleans has had the last couple of years. So Devin White's a key player in all of that, and instead of and the other thing that happens is is this too? Uh, when I'm dispensing free media training advice, is that if you don't talk about it, if you don't answer for yourself, we're asking other guys about it, and and that's the thing that's going to continue because, again, you know, you, you want to know sort of what his teammates take on it, and then publicly they're gonna they're gonna defend him as as they would feel necessary. Um... But privately, you know that none of them are really happy about it. And so rather than have us go and talk to, as we did on Wednesday, to Carlton Davis, you know, it's better for you just to say what you're going to say. And then Carlton Davis would go, well, you you know, go ask him. You know, you want to know what you thought? Go ask him. And so we did talk to Carlton Davis, and he just said, hey, I don't care what they're saying outside the, this building. It doesn't come into this locker room. It doesn't come into this brotherhood. It's a free country, so I guess you can say whatever you want, right? You can say the sky is green. But inside this locker room, we're brothers. We're going to stick by each other through thick and thin, and we understand that. We've got to get back on track, so that's what we're doing. And they was asked a question about whether you have to be a captain to lead, and he was like, well, no. You don't have to have a seat on your chest to do that. But there's no reason at this point to, to, to badger this much longer other than, you you know, it's all about accountability. And that's the other thing. Like, Todd Bowles was hired, okay, for a lot of reasons. But one of the things he said that he thought was important to his coaching style, um, where, where he thought that he could push the team forward beyond where they were a year ago, was he was going to hold everybody accountable. And I think he does. But I think he does it privately, and that's his style. And Bruce Arians would tell everybody, and it wasn't for everybody, that you know he's from the Bear Bryant school, which was coach him hard and hug him up later. But if I were to give Bruce's sort of mantra, it would be coach him hard, rip him in the media, hug him up later, <laughs> because this Bruce didn't care, man. He and he would say this, Steve. He would say to them, he'd go, I would tell them. I'm gonna rip you for what you did on this day or this game or whatever or this play, and he goes. But I'm telling you to your face now, so you're not surprised. I'm about to go out here and rip you, but I want you to know I'm not. I don't. I'm not mad at you personally. This isn't personal. It's just that your football sucks. <laughs> and so we loved it because it was. You don't have many coaches in any sport that will just. Here it is. Here's what I think. I got. There's no sacred cows here. I mean, it's so refreshing, right? But by the same token, I think it was effective too because I, I nobody wants to be criticized by their coach, by their teammate, by you know, I mean, that's that's family, man. That's hard to hear, right? But sometimes sometimes it's not bad either. Sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to put all our laundry out there, then I better I better make sure my sheets are clean. And so I I think you know, you, you and, and and most coaches aren't that way. I mean, Bruce was, you know, a bit of the unicorn in that sense. Most coaches do it the way Bowles does, which is I will destroy you privately <laughs> and then I'm gonna go out here and defend you to the media. Um, but either way, it doesn't you know, it, it, it can be effective. Um, it's just that I think it comes a point when and you know what's changed, Steve? And ask me tell me if this is true about other sports, because I don't know. In football in particular, they have this thing called the All 22. You know, NFL.com puts out film of the game. You can get film mm-hmm. of the game right after the game. You get the TV version. You can get a uh expedited version and you get the All 22, mm-hmm. which is sort of a coach's film shot from the end zone, yep. where you can see everything very well. What has happened because as you know, anybody that has a computer can have a blog or a vlog or just go on social media and they can make their own commentary because they can pull these all 22 clips of any given play and say, watch this, look at this, see what happens here. And you've got some people from the national media, like Brian Baldinger with NFL Network, that does an amazing job breaking down film. And so I think we've all become sort of more, I don't know, detailed you know, fans and and understanding of the game and sort of watching and being explained to what's going on here, what this guy's job is, so on and so forth. But because of that, it used to be, you know, they say the eye in the sky don't lie, but we used to never see the eye in the sky. We saw what was on the television and that was it. Then VCRs came about and then now you got the all 22 And so literally the eye in the sky is the guy at home. It's the guy on Twitter. It's the guy on social media. It's Warren Sapp, right? And so now all your stuff is out there almost in real time. So you're being held responsible by fans, right? Not just not just your meeting room where they play the tape back. Not just the guy sitting next to you on the defensive, you know, linebacker's line. Is that true in other sports? Do they do that like are other people breaking down hockey plays and
0: not to the extent in the NFL and that's part of what makes the NFL as popular as it is is true it's the yeah. betting it's the fantasy football but it's also the access to that now and you see millions of well, maybe millions of exaggeration but no I don't think tons it's exaggerated. Of blogs I don't and, think there are and people that are breaking it down and putting it out there whether they're you know good at it or not it's a different story but sure but you're able to see every single play every single player in what they're doing. Right. You know, right. Or, and, and, and that Devin White play jogging, we may have never known that a few years ago. No. Without the alternative. No, it's tape.
1: one play, mm-hmm. right? It's one play. Mm-hmm. And you may have watched the TV tape and not even noticed because you're looking at, you know, the wide receiver break tackles and, you know, a missed tackle by, you know, Zion McCallum. And, and you know, you're looking at that stuff and not really realizing that, hey, who's 45, man? He's just kind of lazy, kind of rolling over. There. Oh, that's Devin White. Um, so, but now it's circled, you know, it's, it's highlighted, it's played back on a loop. Um, and so he didn't just miss, he didn't just jog on one play. He has now jogged on 6,754 plays. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, it's just out there that much. And so because of that, like, I really feel sort of bad in a way for players in the sense that every single thing they do is scrutinized. But you know what? That's what being a professional is, man. You know, like, you, you, you're getting paid a tons of money because you're a great entertainer. But when the show sucks, people are going to boo. Well, you're you
0: getting know? paid a ton of money because enough people care about it.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And so that comes with it, right? I mean, and if, so, if
0: people didn't have that passion for it, that care, you wouldn't be making as much because the league wouldn't be making as much money.
1: Right, right. I mean, I, I don't make what they make because people don't care when I misspell a word. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I'm just saying, like it, it is. It's a higher level of of interest, and with that interest comes higher scrutiny. You know, and so you gotta you gotta kind of take the good with the bad. And I'm not saying he doesn't because I you know I I actually I've gotten to know know Devin since the time he was a rookie. I was really one of the first ones to write about. You know, the death of his brother and, and his inspiration for playing and, you know, the horse, the obsession with, you know, riding a horse and he learned how to ride a horse before he learned how to ride a bike, you know, in and, and Cotton Valley, Louisiana. Like, I like, like, like Devin White. Devin White is country, man, but he is cool. And uh, he has a big heart and he does a lot of things that people don't know about. But I still say one of the coolest moments I've ever experienced, and I've been doing this a while, was... Everybody had the boat parade after the Super Bowl. And that was cool and we saw, you know, Tom Brady out of character, drunk off his, you know what, on avocado, vodka, whatever. All right. And so everybody had their thing. Devin White doesn't drink, number one. Devin went on the boat, he goes, That parade, that was cool, it wasn't for me. So when he got off the boat, he had arranged and gone through some jumped through some hoops to get his horse over to Raymond James Stadium, and when all that was over, all that pomp and circumstance was over, he got in that stadium, and thank God they had social media there to film it, and he rode that damn horse with the Super Bowl trophy around that that field. That's the coolest thing I think I've ever seen because it, cause it embodied everything he was about, man. And, you know, like I said, it, it it's not like he – I mean, the dude was – Here's the thing. The dude was the defensive player of the month in September. Think about all the players in the NFL, all the defensive players in the NFL, and for the first month of the season, which was three games, not four, he was the best player in the NFC, period. And then he had a really bad October, man. But you know what? So did the team. Um, They've lost four out of five. So uh, part of that's on him, but not all of it. And, you know it unfortunately or for, i mean it just is what it is this is the era we live in i just would say this that whatever he's going to say like everybody's wrong uh i had a cramp uh you know wh- whatever it's going to be it would just i think it would behoove him and and the organization to move on because i hear radio shows about it we're still talking about it on the podcast so hopefully he'll talk today if not friday um, and then we can get on to the business of uh, how the hell are you going to stop the Rams because you haven't beaten them in the last three times. Um, but that's sort of what what went down uh, with Devin White a little bit on, on Wednesday. The Bucks practice inside. There's a little threat of rain, but they went indoors anyway. The good news is this for the Bucks, and we know they didn't make a trade, and we talked to Todd Bowles about that and he said listen um you don't want to reach for a trade you know you just you just don't want to reach for one i'm going to get into that and more and the injuries here in just a second but first i want to remind everybody of uh how to save money on their electric bill it's called may electric solar they're a family owned business they've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years um, I got a knock on the door by one of these companies, these fly-by-night companies. Uh, you, you want to go to May Electric Solar because they're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. That means anything goes wrong in the next three decades, they're out there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the made difference right there. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. All those guys you see on the roof, they're all Billy Mays employees. So start saving today. Call the the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule your free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve your quality of life, and that of your appliances, May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. So there was a lot of deals on the day of the deadline on Tuesday, the trade deadline. In the NFL, in fact, a record. Uh, there was ten days or ten trades on that day itself, uh, which is a record for the trade deadline day. There were more than that, of course, throughout the NFL prior to that as well. And the Bucks didn't make one. And there's been a lot of people, you know, sort of like I've been reading the social media comments and whatnot. I was like, "Oh, that's it. Season's over. Can't believe they're not going for it." You know, all this sort of stuff. And You know, we talked to Todd Bowles and asked if he was disappointed. He just said, well, you know, you you just don't want to reach for something. Like, you don't want to reach for a trade that's not a good deal for yourself uh, or for your team. And the only thing I can, like, there was, you know, when you lose a Shaq Barrett, who is an elite pass rusher, even though he's off to a slow start, he had three sacks. He's playing maybe his best half of football before he tore his Achilles and out for the year. Really unfortunate for him, sad really for him and the football team. But he had three tackles for losses and a sack in that game when they held the Ravens to three points in the first half. When he was out of the game, that's when they gave it up. And it's very hard to have a game wrecker that even if he doesn't have some stats of his own, He's facilitating one-on-one blocking for everybody else. In other words, they have to commit a lot of resources to stopping him, which means other people have an opportunity to make plays, even if he doesn't, and he's going to make plays. What 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 has changed now about this whole dynamic is the mere fact that as much as you might like Anthony Nelson, who's got some really good numbers for the limited amount of snaps, 31% last year he had five sacks, or, you know, Whoever they end up, you know, Carl Nassib or whoever is on that side, they're not going to demand the attention. And then this is the problem. They're not going to get the double teams. Will they win one-on-one once in a while? Yeah, they might. Like I said, highly productive in the limited number of sacks or snaps. But what that does is enable offensive game planners to say, hmm, so I can block Anthony Nelson one on one, be relatively certain that I'm gonna win most of the game. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna slide my protection to Vita Vea, or I'm gonna slide my protection to Joe Tryon Swinka. Um, so you just made the job really hard for the rest of the of the uh defensive line or the or the edge rushers. And that that's you know, that's what happens when you lose a game changer like that. And so it's unfortunate, but they didn't make a deal. And the one deal that would have made sense because they lost Shaq would have been Bradley Chubb who went to Miami and he went to Miami for a package of picks, including a first rounder. I think a third or fourth. I can't remember which one it was. It's irrelevant at this point. Um, And, and then they also um, gave up a running back who was a kind of a backup running back uh, to Denver as well. And, you know, the thing about trades, and, and this is sort of the analogy that I give, because it, I think people get really upset. I've been reading my timeline. They're like, oh, that's it. Season's over. Bucks don't want to do anything. I guess they're tanking now. You know, let's move on. It's Trades are hard, you know, because there's there were 32 teams, and there were 10 trades, which is a record. Ten. That means 22, 22, well, more than one team was involved in the 10 trades, obviously, it takes two, so you got 20 teams involved. But a bunch of teams didn't make deals, okay? And some of those were contenders, and some of those needed help too. But it's not unilateral. Like, you need a dance partner. And so, and I don't know this because I haven't talked to Jason Light. I don't really know what interest or how much they pressed on, say, a Bradley Chubb. But I will give you an example of, of how this sort of works. And this is totally not about a player or a trade deadline. But when the Bucks were looking to replace Tony Dungy, Um, as a head coach, they had a lot of options, right? They were were researching all kinds of things. And very early in the process, like Rich McKay was in charge of it at the time. And very early in the process, they got on to John Gruden. And they got on to John Gruden because Al Davis kind of put it out there that he was looking to move on, even though John had another year left in his deal. Uh, And when they talked to Al Davis early on in the process, Al Davis was absolute adamant about this. He wanted two number ones, two number twos, and Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp. Now, Warren Sapp, if you go back to 2001, was like their best player, okay? Him and Derek Brooks. I mean, talk about a first battle Hall of Famer in their prime, right? So the Bucks said, yeah, you know what? We really like your coach, and that's a lot of draft compensation, the most ever in the history of football for a coach. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do Warren Sapp. Okay? Two number one's cool. Two number two's cool. Not Warren Sap. Sorry. We're done. And so they had to walk away. And, and this was early on. So they walked away and then they started talking to guys like Marvin Lewis and came very close. And then the Glazers met him and said, mm, I don't think so. Too close to Tony um, in terms of reminds you of him, defensive coach. Like we just had that guy. Um, and then eventually. They got around to offering the job, literally offered the job. And I know Mooch, and I talked to him about it, it as one of the bigger mistakes he ever made. But they offered the job to Steve Mariucci, who was the 49ers head coach. And Mariucci had, I think, another year left on his deal in San Francisco. And they, they offered him the job one night. And they said, Coach GM. Imagine that. I give that much power to one guy. Coach GM. And Mooch said, Let me sleep on it. Big mistake. Big mistake because before he could wake up and make a decision and there was a lot of personal factors involved, I think his kid was like a senior in high school playing football, whatever. But before he could get up, the Bucks called Al Davis again and said, how about this? Any chance you would consider something different? How about two number ones, two number twos, but we're not giving you Warren sap, Come up with something besides sap. anything. What would... And he came up with $8 million cash, which at the time, in '02 was a hell of a lot of money. So they said, done. Done. And before Mooch could get up and call him back, they made the deal for John Gruden. So my point in all of this is this. You can't make a trade unless you have a dance partner. And if, if some team is, is asking for something you're not willing to give up, and we don't know what that was because I don't even know if they had a discussion with the Denver Broncos about Bradley Chubb. I would assume they did a lot of teams did. And a lot of teams were willing to get the first round pick. And it makes sense because this guy is twenty-six years old. He's one of the elite pass rushers in football. He doesn't have a contract for next year, which is a big, big problem. You could franchise him, but you're probably gonna have to sign him to a long-term deal. Bucks have cap space problems, all of that, right? However, um we don't know what Miami, who gave them a running back in addition to the draft compensation, we don't know what they were looking for. Or when they looked at the Bucks roster, what did they ask for if that even happened? So I wouldn't be so quick to jump on a team and say, oh, there you go. They don't even care. Uh, you know what? They just Let's just tank. Let's just get rid of Brady and get a first pick next year. That's just not how it works. It's not anyone's fault. It's just simply the team that has the player they're trading has the control of the trade. And so you either take what's being offered or you don't. And in any case, Bradley Chubb is in Miami, not Tampa Bay, and the Bucs pretty much have to go with what they have. But if you're the Bucks, the one thing you're hanging your hat on going into this whole process is this. We got a bunch of guys getting healthy. We got Akeem Hicks is going to play this week. Akeem Hicks. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the Akeem Hicks from week one uh, or certainly the Akeem Hicks from five years ago. But you know what? That guy, if he's right, and can get himself back in his playing shape, is a, is is a force. He's hard to deal with. He makes Vita Vea much player better player, and vice versa. If Vea is going to get double teams, Hakeem Hicks is going to trample some guys. Man, he's going to win, and so that's a big get. You know, if he was out on the open market, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take him. Um, same is true with Carlton Davis, who's back with the hip injury. Elite corner, you know, one of the guys that. Thought he was the best in the league, bar numb. He's back. Sean Murphy Bunting is back, and you need perhaps a slot corner because we don't know what Antoine Winfield's status is because he's in concussion protocol. Um, you know, so there's a lot of players coming back that, while they're not trades, they're certainly going to make your football team better. So you're not dealing from a position of absolute, like, desperation. Now, I happen to think that. It's going to get really tough on Joe Tryon and Chowinka now. And, and it hasn't gone great so far, but it's going to get tougher. It's going to get really hard on Vitavia now, you know. And Anthony Nelson and Carl Nassim and those guys are going to have to really step it up. It's one thing to go in for a play or two and max out and it's late in the game. Maybe you're leading and you just, you know, pin your ears back and get a sack here and there. Now these teams are going to, are going to have you every play. They're going to feel you. They're going to have tape. It's going to be really difficult for those guys, you know? It is. It's an opportunity for them, but it's going to be difficult. Let's not delude ourselves. Losing Shaq Barrett is, is an enormous loss for this football team, regardless of what his numbers said. He only had three sacks, but he was starting to play great. And more than that, he draws a lot of attention off the other guys, a lot. When you have an elite player, game record type player, that's great for everybody else because you just get a lot of attention. So we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday, but man, this Tampa Bay Lightning game the other night that I watched <laughs> was the weirdest game I think I've ever seen. So they're to me they're completely dominating five on five. But first of all, there was a ton of penalties. I mean, it was chippy from the start. Right, maroon drops the gloves right off the bat. Like, so you kind of knew, okay, this is going to be different. All right, and then um, <laughs> so the so the lightning. They're in this dogfight all of a sudden with a team that literally scores a goal when Vasilevsky goes behind the net, misplays the puck, and there's an open net, and they shoot it, and they
0: score. And then what was the other crazy goal? Um, well, I mean, it went over Belmar's stick right in front. I mean, all three of the... Oh, they had the,
1: the five-on-three well, shorthanded, yeah, but we'll five-on-three going one, yeah. the other way.
0: Yeah, all this three goals that Ottawa scored were mistakes by the lightning but egregious right. ones that ended up in the back of the net.
1: Yeah, just just if you got one of those in one game you'd be like, "Oh my gosh." They got 3 of them in the same game.
0: I mean, they dominated that game, that game. They had mm-hmm. no business being down in that game.
1: No, it was at one point it was like 33 shots to 14, it was a 3-3 game.
0: It was it was cr- I mean, Phil Esposito has a rule. If you get a, a long 5 on 3, you know, not one that's 20 seconds, but a long five-on-three. Yeah, they five got
1: five-minute five-on-three.
0: Well, it wasn't five-minute five-on-three. Well, it wasn't five, but yeah. But you get a long five-on-three, which I think was about a minute and a half. And you don't score, you'll lose the game.
1: That's his rule.
0: I have no idea what the rule is when you have a long five-on-three and you give up a goal.
1: And you give one up. Yeah, during the five, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're shorthanded, and then there's, wait a minute, how how did they even get a breakaway? But And, of course, it was Matthew Joseph, right? Like that's the guy that would be bearing that shorthanded goal,
0: and it was a hell of a shot. I mean, and I I made the joke. I said, "If he did that when he was on the Lightning, he would have missed the net by three (laughs) feet." (laughs) And he buried. I mean, and like I said, it was a hell of a shot. He completely deked Vasilevsky. Then open, you know, he faked to the one side and shot it to the other side, and completely faked him out. Uh, you know, kudos to Matthew Joseph who played a whale of a game coming, in his yeah, first time he back in Amelie. And, and got a nice ovation during the first TV timeout. They did a yeah, nice tribute the, video in that. Tribute, got to a great, them, yeah. great ovation there. But that was a crazy, and then so they have the four three lead, and then they almost give it up at the end.
1: Well, first of all, they had it. They had an empty netter taken away. Yes. And they had to go to instant replay, or you're thinking, okay, I I actually got off the couch and said, well, it's over. They got the empty netter, but then whoa, 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 there's an instant replay re- review. Mm-hmm. And what did they what did they do wrong on that? Was it offsides or yep. something?
0: Like that? Yep. Yeah, but then Stamkos just sending the puck back to kill time, sent it right to Brady Kuchuk at the blue line,
1: who had a breakaway but again. A,
0: yeah, he had a breakaway and, and they missed the net wide right. But if at it had gone buzzer. in, it would have it would have tied the game.
1: They're playing overtime. It was nuts right up to the last second.
0: And Steven Samkos at the end of the game said, had that gone in, it would have summarized that game perfectly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said, "You also said, he goes, I've been looking for a new stick about right then too. <laughs> I absolutely would have just destroyed the one in my hands.
0: I like John Cooper came to the press conference and said, he goes, I told the team it's going to take me about a day to dissect this game. Take tomorrow <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> take tomorrow off. Yeah. <laughs> Which which was funny. I'm sure they had it off anyway, but uh but yeah, and, and it it really was like Stamkos. So after the game, they're interviewing Stamkos, and he's in this mood like, "Okay, we won." He's like, "But like, I don't really, you know, sort of feel good about what happened." He goes, "All I know is that five on five, we we dominated." What little five but on five the, play there was. The problem is we didn't have much five on five in the game. Like we couldn't we couldn't stay out of the box. They couldn't stay out of the box. Like it was insane. But we had, um,
0: we had Brendan Hagel on right after the game coming off the ice with Dave and Phil. Oh, really? And they said, Hey, congratulations on the win, He goes, That was ugly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you couldn't really shoot you couldn't put lipstick on the pig. No, I mean no, no. it wasn't like you No, but that was Brendan saying saw.
0: that was Brandon saying that to us you just unsolicited, that was ugly. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I mean, but they knew, you know. That's that's the truth. It really was, and yet, um, you know, it, it was big. I mean, they got they got the win, which was nice, but they got this they got this homestand now. They got a chance to, you know, you want to try to stack these these games together because mm-hmm. they had that long road trip on the west coast. They won two out of three. Um, well, they're still trying to get their feet under them a little bit.
0: I mentioned this to to Dave last night, and after as soon as the game ended we've talked about this on this podcast, there's the 96-point the rule in the NHL mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. almost always 96 points will get you in the playoffs with rare you. exception.
1: That's yep. all they're trying to do.
0: So you're always – and John Cooper talks about munching points. You want to get 12 points for every 10 games you play. Right. That gives right. you 96 points with two games to spare because you've got 82 games. hmm The Lightning, by winning the last three in a row, after starting one in three – they're 6-4. and four. They've gotten 12 points in their first 10 games and not played very well. That's it. And had That's six it. of those games on the road. Or, right. I'm sorry, seven of those games on the road.
1: Yeah, it was weird that way.
0: Yeah, so now they get nine home games in November. The first one was against Ottawa. They get nine home games in December. Like The road trips this month are uh, two Washington, one game road trip. Two Nashville, one game road trip. And then uh, it's a two or three game road trip at the end of the month. Those are the road trips this month. So they're going to spend a lot of time at home, and this is where they need to get their game together and start playing better. But as poorly as they've played through part of these first 10 games, they're sitting at 12 points, which is right where you need to be.
1: You know who was great, and it it will get lost because the game was so sloppy, but you know who was, like, when he gets this way, it's insane, was Cooch. Mm-hmm. The the plays that he made and they just didn't finish some of them, mm-hmm. but he could have had like five more assists. Like he he made some unbelievable and he got the game winning goal, which was phenomenal, by the way. Um, on a great pass, was it Sergachev that gave him that pass? I can't remember. Yep. Um, but he kind of kind of looked like he was going to shoot it, and then, you know, out of the corner of his eye, he caught he caught Kooch. Cooch was like just on it. You know what I mean? Like there are yep. some games where. Like, the the puck is on a string with him. You know what I mean? Like, and he sees the whole lot. And, and half the time, uh, half the time guys aren't really aware that they're going to get the puck, but they're standing there and it, it's coming to them and it's off their stick before they realize it. But he was just in a zone.
0: Well, it's, it's tough. One of the things, the Lightning, and they're trying to figure out this year, and so far, Brendan Hagel's done very well in that role. Yeah, Hagel's Who else well. can play on that line with Braden Point and Cooch? Because you have to see the game
1: the way they do.
0: Differently. Mm-hmm. Cooch sees mm-hmm. it so differently than most players, and that's what makes right. him elite. Right. But you have to be a player that, that understands how Cooch is going to look at this play and where to go.
1: And be in the right spots, mm-hmm. and if you are, he's going to find you, and you've got to yep. be ready for it. Yep. It's, the only thing I can't liken it because I don't play hockey and I've never played at that level of anything, but if you've ever played like a pickup basketball game, and you're a pretty good player, but you're not a great player. But if you play with a great point guard, like if you ever play with a guy that like was like a college point guard, right? You're playing a bunch of dudes on a court outside somewhere, and this guy, he's just drawing, drawing, dishing. If you fill the lane on every trip down the floor, I swear to God you'll hit five five or six layups because he's going to give you the ball in the perfect spot, and you're going to be by yourself. You know, It's just about being in the right spot and looking for the ball, being ready when that ball finds you. And that's sort of like Cooch. Just like he finds these guys, and if they're in the right spots, they, if they're ready, they're going to score. Like he's just an incredible playmaker mm-hmm. and, and creative and just, you know. So it was kind of cool to see him be the recipient of that. You well, know what I mean?
0: He's just the third player in NHL history to score a go-ahead goal in the final 230 of regulation in consecutive games. Really? Because he scored with just under a minute to go. In San Jose on Saturday.
1: Wow, that's cool. 20. Yeah. Hey, he's got the hot stick, man. He's clutch, you know. Yeah. I thought it's Nick Paul really...
0: played a really good game against his former team. Yep. I thought uh, he had he several chances. And, and he had the empty netter taken away, of course.
1: Yep. Like the way he's playing. Like the way Stamkos is playing. Um,
0: and Hedman really, didn't play. And you got that win, too, without Hedman. He in, was in scratched, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. um... Missed practice on Monday. Uh, he left the game a little bit Saturday in San Jose, came back. Missed the practice Monday, but they said he should be good to go for Tuesday. Yeah, he, did, right? he did skate Tuesday in the morning skate, but was more sore than they expected him to be and said it was a game-time decision. They ultimately scratched him, which yeah. at game 10 in the regular season, if you're that sore, yeah, it's a game-time yeah. decision. They should scratch him at that point. So Absolutely. So Absolutely. hopefully he'll be back tonight against Carolina. Uh, the Lightning will be wearing the reverse retro jerseys.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Are those the black ones with the no, blue on them? And- no,
0: no, no, no. They have new reverse retro jerseys this year, and they just unveiled oh. them a week or two ago. Uh, they're white okay. with the old logo. Uh, okay. they got some flames, uh, lightning bolts on the sleeves, and oh, cool. a very different look. That's cool. So they'll be uh, wearing those for the first time on Thursday night.
1: I think we may go Saturday this week. I think we might make it to Emily. It'll be our first trip there. But it's nice that they have these these uh, four home games in this stretch here. It's going to be, I think, good for them. To I would anticipate
0: kinda... Brian Elliott either starts tonight or Saturday. I'm guessing Saturday, but.
1: Now, that's about what I get when I go to the Lightning. I get the yeah. backup goaltender, but that's okay.
0: Well, they usually lose when you come, so.
1: No, that's true. Sorry, sorry Brian. I'll let you know in advance <laughs> if we're coming. Just the way it goes. We have a we have a reputation to uh to uphold. So we're gonna go to uh out to the Bucks, talk to a little Tom Brady. Um he'll be on the podium today, as will Byron Leftwich. a little under fire for his offense. We'll see what what uh answers they've come to, arrived at during their little mini buy week. Uh so that's always interesting. We'll get you ready for the Bucks against the LA Rams, who are scuffling, man. They same Position as the Bucks are really uh, one of the worst rushing teams in the league. Um, not that Sean McVay throws, you know, doesn't throw the ball every down because he does when he comes against the Bucks. It seems, but they ran it twenty times the last time they played him. Of course, plenty of motivation. They've lost three in a row to the Rams, and then that you know terrible final game in the playoffs after Tom Brady led him back, giving up uh, two big plays to Cooper Cup, who was supposed to play despite an ankle sprain. They haven't covered him in two years. We'll see if they're able to uh, to maybe like slow him down because you're not going to shut him down, but he's expected to play. So we'll get you ready for the Rams and the Buccaneers. Huge game for both teams. I, I don't know how the Bucks climb out of this unless they get a win, and I don't see a lot of wins on this schedule the way they're playing right now. But then it, it's a week to week league, and if you win this game, you feel like you can win. We can win them all. You know that's that's just the way it is. So. We'll deal with that. Uh, remember our friends at May Electric Solar. Uh, contact them if you want to save some money on your electric bill. This is a good investment for you. they got a 30-year labor and services warranty. You get $750 worth of surge protection. Um, you can start saving money today with Billy May and his guys. Call solar, the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. They're at 727 2862 Schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862.
0: Do we risk talking about Game 4 of the World Series?
1: You know, we could actually wait this out. As we're doing this podcast, the Phillies are being no-hit. Now, there's only been two no-hitters in World Series history. Don Larson. No, only one, one in World history. Series history. Playoff so, history. Yes. World Series was Don Larson. Yes. And then the other one was Roy Holiday. Right for the Blue Jays, right?
0: No, 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 for the Phillies in 2010. For the Phillies. That's right. Against he the, Reds. For the Phillies at that time. Game, okay. one, game one of the NLDS.
1: So two in postseason history. Think about that. There's so many games over the, all the years of baseball, and as we're sitting here, there is nobody out. A one and one count uh, in the in the bottom of the ninth. Houston up five to nothing, and a big swing game because they go back. I guess there's one more game in uh, in Philly. Right, because the series will be two-two. Yeah, it'll yes. be one-one. Which, more which game is in weird Philly.
0: because so game five is tonight, mm-hmm. Philly or Houston at Philly, right? Opposite the Thursday night NFL game, which is Philly <laughs> which at is Houston. Philly at Houston. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um, and I would take not Houston in the other game um, in the in the NFL game, but yeah, this is this is as rare. There's a lot of rare things in baseball. like I, I've always thought about no-hitters and things like that. You know what's more rare, way more rare? A cycle. Somebody hitting for a cycle. Mm-hmm. like It's extremely rare. Um,
0: immaculate innings are pretty rare.
1: Immaculate innings are pretty rare, right.
0: Although, I, this, I, I will say, I saw one, and Ray's fans, some saw it, who was ever at the game. I don't remember how many years ago. It was Brad Boxberger. He came in the game with the bases loaded with nobody out, and throw nine out. straight pitches to get three strikeouts. It doesn't count that's as an immaculate be... inning because the bases were loaded. Ugh. But I, to me, that's more important. You, you came in with the bases loaded, and nobody yeah. out, and you you threw nine pitches and got three strikeouts. Zero margin for error. To me, that, did that. that's the hardest immaculate inning I've ever seen.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, that should, that should count double or something. So are the Philly fans, do you think at this point – and we've turned into the Manning cast at this stage. Do you think that the Philly fans that are standing are, are, are thinking we can rally here in the ninth and win the game, or they just merely don't want them to get no hit? Or are they like, I'm witnessing history, so what the hell? Let's let them go ahead and get no hit.
0: If you're a Phillies fan, you're down five in the ninth. You're probably not gonna win. So go ahead and <laughs> go win. ahead and history's fine. I mean, if it's one nothing, you're I mean, you're pulling for Well, we're two, two outs nothing. away. This is, you know, this is 5 nothing. This isn't, although they came back from 5 down the other game, but they didn't do it all in one inning. But
1: Right. We are two outs away.
0: And this is a combined no-hitter. Uh, Christian Javier pitched, what, 6 innings? Abreu got the 7th. I don't remember who pitched the 8th, and now Presley's on for the ninth.
1: By the way, Christian Javier, holy smokes. How do you hit that guy? I've never, I mean. Same exact arm slot, throws 100 if he wants to, upper 90s, 100 miles an hour, and has a slider that I swear, until it's three-quarters of the way of the plate, you're not going to know it's a slider. And he he can just bury it on you. Strike thrower, unflappable on the mound, calm as he can be, and he's only like 26 years old, 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. The guy's filthy. Like... You just can't get ready for a hundred and then get that hammer, man, you know from the exact same arm slot coming over the middle of the plate, and it just it just takes a left, you know it, it's unhittable he's been he's been tough, so this is a uh, this is a big swing game in this series,
0: well, I mean three one to two two and and you know Houston holds on to win this it forces game six and
1: Houston they're going back home, that's all you care about, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Give me game six at home, then I'll worry about game seven when I get there.
0: Well, and you could win it in six. I mean, if you take game you five, but you're guaranteeing yeah, you at least you're going home.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And then you're guaranteeing Philly's got to get on a plane again.
1: Exactly right. Schwarber's up. Two strikes on him. So we're one strike away from the second out in the bottom of the ninth. This has got to be fascinating podcasting. <laughs> so we just let this go? Live on Memrix. Right. Like, you all know what happened, and we don't. So you're listening to a bunch of idiots trying to predict what's going to happen, but we're not sure.
0: Should we just pause tape and then resume when it's over?
1: I think we should just stop now, and then we'll come back and let you know what happened. Let's do that. And that's it. It's a no-hitter for the Phillies. Only the second one in World Series history, Don Larson, 1956. First combined no-hitter. They no-hit the Phillies in philadelphia my oh my this is history this is cool
0: man now we have a series 2-2 two, two. yeah we do i mean that's this series has been crazy what houston takes the 5-0 lead in game one blow it blows you know? it then they blow out the phillies in game two phillies blow them mm-hmm. out game three now you get a combined no hitter for game four
1: it's really weird it's gone. it's seesawed but it's in in a, in a dominant way like you know I guess the comeback from 5-0 was, was a very contested game, but rare to see them come back and do that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I would suppose Houston has the momentum now. I, you know, at least they know they're going to go back home, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Philly knows they've they got to get on a plane tomorrow night yeah. to, go, to go back to Houston after the game. Houston, of course, is going back no matter what, or would have been. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and there's no off day between game five and six now. Because you had the yeah, rain then, out on Monday. The rain
1: out, yeah.
0: So you think Houston's got the momentum, but as we know, you know momentum's really just as good as your next day starting pitcher.
1: Tomorrow's pitcher, in, or in the case of Houston, their starter and all the relievers. Yeah, I believe Verlander starting
0: tomorrow, and he's zero for six, and eight zero in six and eight starts in the World Series.
1: Yeah, which is crazy, right? Like he's just not gotten it done in the biggest biggest stage. But yeah, fourth. No hitter, uh, I guess, combined for the Astros in their history, but
0: yeah, but no this is only the third that. no hitter in MLB history in postseason.
1: That's crazy, man! You get this far, and then you go up there and can't get a hit. And Matt, now, that's the thing. Like all these Philly fans paid for these tickets, they didn't see their they didn't see their Phillies get one hit, and yet they're leaving as having witnessed World Series history, which is. Maybe a bad consolation prize in this. Well, it's
0: really consolation is those who paid a lot of money for Game Five tickets tomorrow night that. That's right. You were hoping to see a clincher.
1: <laughs> it's right. Not getting that or the no hitter in most most cases. So, well, it's it, it's an exciting series, and both these teams are really really good. I think. I mean, to cool off that Phillies lineup who are just so hot, um, let alone toss a no no. But I'm telling you. Um, this Christian Javier is unflappable. I mean, this guy is just like complete you know, ice out there on the mound. Doesn't show any emotion, just brings it. Fun game. Well, we got a fun game on Sunday between the Bucks and the Rams. We'll talk all about that again, as we said, on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks for sort of the Manning cast here as we were going down the uh, Houston Phillies World Series. For Steve Versnick, Nick, Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.